1: Welcome to another edition of Alternative News brought to you by Andrew Irving from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament.
0: Welcome to the summer break repeats of the best of Alternative News from 2015.
1: This week we welcome again Hannah Middleton from the Anti Basis Coalition in New South Wales, in Sydney. Hannah, welcome again to Alternative News and Community Radio 3CR. Thanks, Andrew. Hannah, I understand that there's 34,000 troops involved from not only the United States and Japan, but also New Zealand and Singapore. What is the theme of this war games? Uh, Is the object to practice offensive or defensive? Is it Or any particular type of coordinated armed conflict?
0: Well, you have to remember that Talisman Sabre is really one of the biggest military exercises in the world. And a large amount of different activity takes place. Marines and special forces were storming beaches in Darwin. So that was deliberately offensive. There are a large number of ships which are involved, which are in the Arafura Sea off Western Australia. So you've got that off Western Australia, you go around to Darwin, and then you come round to Shoalwater Bay in Queensland, where there are also amphibious landings. There is practicing bombing of some of the islands. It's not a defensive exercise. It's an exercise which... Practice is invading, but more important than that, the exercise is intended, and this is what the government and the military say, it is intended to increase interoperability. Now, that horrible jargon word means essentially that Australians and now the Japanese and New Zealanders, the Singaporeans, learn to work with American equipment and take American orders. Interoperability means that the Australians and the Americans can operate together. But what it really means is that Australian forces train to become an arm of the American military. They can use American equipment, they can take American orders, it's all seamless. So that's really what Talisman Sabre is about and it's something that they themselves stress Year after year, they're largely learning to fight together with the Americans in charge in whatever latest idiocy, criminality they get involved in.
1: Of course, Snowden was a defence contractor, and one of the, or a number of the scandals that he exposed was the fact that they were using the intelligence that they were collecting for commercial espionage. So it's fairly clear that there's a lot more than just defence involved in the material that's being collected.
0: Oh, I think we've known that actually before Snowden's revelations, although he's given us a, a lot more hard evidence of it. The Americans have always spied on their allies for commercial advantage in negotiations uh, when they were talking, I think it was to the Marshall Islanders, they spied on them in their hotel rooms when they were planning the next day's negotiating positions. They have always, of course, been concerned in this part of the world, which is now so economically significant, they've always been concerned about contracts, arms sales, sales of other goods of all kinds i mean the pine gap and the other satellites spy in the interests of the corporations as well as the american government and the pentagon
1: you mentioned that there was a number of groups that participated in the national conference at last year's conference there was in the contributions from those groups that participated very broad number of activities that they reported on occurring, that they were involved in around Australia. At this conference, was there a similar number of diverse peace activities that uh, these groups were involved in?
0: Well, you have to understand two things. First, IPAN is still a loose network, so that many of its affiliates are off doing various things, and even its peace affiliates will be undertaking activities in their own states of different kinds. That's one thing. And IPAN itself has undertaken a number of things nationally as IPAN. We've had four major petitions, we've had open letters, we've got some articles published. You know, events have been organized around the country in the name of IPAN. However, at this conference, it wasn't so much getting together and getting to know each other like the first one in Canberra last year. This year, the workshops were really focused. Things like activism, military spending, the bases. And the idea of the workshops, which took up the majority of the conference, was that we need to research We need to share information in order to effectively lobby and to have the material behind us when we do non-violent direct action. So it was very much a sort of issue and action-oriented conference. And we didn't do much reporting back on what we'd been up to, except in the tea breaks when we kind of chatted to each other and... One of the really interesting ones was that some time ago, anti-bases got very concerned about a base in Western Australia called Cordierina. And we got in touch with the West Australians and we had an opportunity to talk to them about it. And not long before the conference, a group of people went out there in touch with the local Aboriginal owners who supported what they were doing and they had a small demonstration at Cordierina. And Codrina is a base which is expanding. The Americans are going to build facilities sort of on the back of the Australian base. And it will be one that we think we will have to do something about in terms of bringing more attention to it and perhaps organising a larger action against it sometime in the future.
1: Was there any discussion or report backs on the various activities around the centenary of Anzac Day.
0: No. It was, it was very interesting that it was very different from the first one. And this conference was about, okay, what's next? Where do we prioritise? What do we do and how do we do it best? It was a very determined, united, forward-looking conference.
1: Uh, the night before the conference, there was a public forum Dangerous Allies. I'm just wondering what the nature of that event was and how successful it was and what was presented at that public forum.
0: Well, Dangerous Allies, of course, is taken from Malcolm Fraser's book about the United States being a dangerous ally. The speakers were Professor Richard Tantus from the Nautilus Institute, who's been a co-author of the recent material on Pine Gap, the massive expansion in, of its role and the implications of the corporatization of Pine Gap. So Professor Tantor spoke about the bases. Senator Scott Ludlam spoke. And Professor Kosway Akibayashi, who is the international president of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. Basically, it was, I think for many people, an information session. It was held in a a large hall which was crammed with people and there were a lot of questions afterwards.
1: Another significant anniversary is coming up and there's been some comment in the last week on it. Um, That's the 50th anniversary of the uh, adoption of the ANZUS Treaty with the United States, and it's been discussed in terms of whether Australia is obliged to support the United States in any action against China. Was this discussed at the conference, or has there been any discussion about this anniversary in regards to some uh, actions?
0: The question of the Ancestry Treaty was discussed at the conference briefly. It wasn't prioritised, and there are no plans by IPAN at the moment to deal with the question. It was interesting in the statement from the conference and in the aims of IPAN itself. In our guidelines, a sort of you know soft version of a constitution. Opposition to the ANZUS alliance was not explicitly included. While we're aware that most people in Australia want less money spent on the military and oppose, finally, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, there is a very high level of support for the ANZUS treaty. And to just sort of go at that like a battering ram was felt to be tactically stupid of us. So although much of what we do has to be critical of the American government because of what they do, we're not publicly, openly opposing the ANZUS alliance. However, there will have to be work done around it because, of course, one of the reasons for the very high level of support in the general population is that people believe that if Australia gets into trouble, the American cavalry will come charging in to protect us. But in fact, the Andrews Treaty says that if we're in trouble, basically, we'll talk about it with them, with the United States, that there'll be discussion. It doesn't say that there is an automatic requirement under the treaty for the United States to come and defend Australia militarily if we're under threat. Now, I don't recall immediately anything in that treaty, which is fairly brief which says that if the Americans go to war, we have to automatically go too. I don't think we're obliged to, in my personal view, by the ANZUS alliance. But the political leaders we have particularly in the Liberal Party, but also in the Labour Party, politically committed to supporting America militarily. And that means that if the Americans did provoke a conflict, there is a clear danger that we might get involved too, who know how much our economy now depends on trade with China and investment from China and therefore see any possibility of going to war with China as absolute lunacy. But whether those forces would be strong enough, together with the people of Australia saying we don't want yet another war, whether that would be strong enough and effective enough to stop the government putting troops out to submarines and seagoing vessels and planes, mostly stationed in, in Western Australia, of course, sending those to support the Americans... They might well do that, and that could create, for Australia, the most tragic situation.
1: Anna, we're coming up to a very significant anniversary, the 70th anniversary of the dropping nuclear atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, In Melbourne, the CICD and some other peace groups are organising events for this anniversary, We'll be presenting a exhibition of historical and recent material, an exhibition at the Victorian Trades Hall. Also, MAPWA will be showing a movie that's rarely been seen, a production produced in Japan with a number of citizens from Hiroshima. Um, it's a, a movie that's recently been rediscovered, MAPWA will be showing that. Um, I understand that in Sydney that you will also be uh, having a number of events for uh, the 70th anniversary. Maybe you could uh, indicate what that is.
0: Sure. We're having two events actually on the anniversary on Thursday, August the 6th. We're going to have a candlelight procession through the city and also with a memorial to Aboriginal fighters who have fallen. At the end of that March, we will go to a public meeting. We have the wonderful actress Rebecca Gilling reading poetry. We have the Trade Union Choir. Uh, we'll have speakers. And the political consul from the Japanese Consulate General in Sydney will also be coming along to that. We're putting those two things together because we think to focus on that day because it's such a an appalling anniversary in a way, it's important to sort of have those activities together and have a certain intensity on the
1: day. Okay, well, thank you once again, Hannah, for coming along and talking to us today. I hope that we can uh, talk to you again on another occasion. I'd be
0: more than happy to, Andrew. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to Community Radio 3CR, brought to you by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament. I am Andrew Irving, looking forward to your company next week.